happens. I'm recording in progress. That's a good sign. So, oh, so, um, so, Jonathan, I'm very, very pleased to welcome you to uh, this episode of As the Actress Said to the Critic. With me, the critic, Sarah Crompton. And with me, the actress, Nancy Carroll. Yeah, I'm and... getting all how perfect. Hold on, let me decline this. <laughs> okay, I've declined it. <laughs> and with our super busy first Broadway legend, Jonathan Groff. We're really pleased to have you here, Jonathan. Oh my gosh, I'm so pleased to be here. It's nice to meet you, Sarah. It's so great to see you, Nancy. Hello. <laughs> and what are you up to at the moment, Jonathan? Okay, so at this exact moment, it's 10.38 a.m. in New York City in my apartment in the village. And I'm <laughs> I'm Zooming with you before I just woke up like an hour and a half ago. And I'm Zooming with you before our two-show day of Merrily We Roll Along. Wow. That's yeah. very noble of you to talk to us before a two-show day. I love I love talking actually. I love to do like a breakfast or a lunch before a matinee. I don't know if you feel this way, Nancy, because it like wakes up my voice and my face. Yeah, before, yeah, yeah. Before heading to the 1 p.m. matinee. Otherwise you feel like you've just fallen out of bed and then straight back where you left off. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah sometimes if it's like if I'm shooting something and it's an early morning. I'll wake up especially early, even just to go to the gym to wake up my body because I'm such a sleeper. And how is Merrily going? Tell us all about it. Oh my gosh, it's going, it's going great. Gosh, I feel this way maybe during everything I'm ever doing, but this might be my favorite thing I've ever done. Uh, it's just, it's such a great group. It's such an amazing show. It started at the Chocolate Factory in London, this production, Maria Friedman's production. Um, And I think she just kind of killed it with this, directing this version of the show. Uh, We're just having the best time. It's such a beautiful work of art. We're like five months into the run. We have six months left to go. And it's, and even, even still, it feels like sand through my fingers. Like it's going to be over too soon in the blink of an eye. I'm just like sucking up every, every bit of it. It's everything I ever dreamt of as a kid. Um, And then as an adult, it's just so exciting to go to the theater every night and have a, have like, it's like the Sondheim, like the lyrics and the music. It's just different every night. I've never done Shakespeare, but I imagine it's like it's like that where you there, there's such poetry in the writing that it's it ends up being kind of like uh, life changing, repeating it every day and finding new things. I'm obsessed. Who yeah. who are you playing? Who which character are you? Talk I'm us playing- through. Franklin Shepard, who is the composer in the show, Charlie, played by Dan Radcliffe, is the lyricist. And uh, Mary Flynn is their friend, played by Lindsay Mendez. And it's loosely based on How Prince, Stephen Sondheim, and Mary Rogers. I'm actually reading Mary Rogers' memoir right now. She was the daughter of Richard Rogers and a dear friend of Sondheim. And it's fascinating to read that book, her memoir called Shy, in line with doing the show. It's it's really uh, been affecting the performances for me. It's a fabulous show. Did you see it at the Chocolate Factory, Nancy? I saw it when it transferred uh, like a year and a half later or something. It was a bit of a gap, wasn't it? Yes, I think it was. Um, and was it? to the it wasn't to the pinter somewhere like i can't pinter. remember where yeah, it that's was. exactly where it was yeah we went to the pinter. yeah that's where i saw it um and i knew who did i know i knew mark umbers who played your part yes, and yes. Uh, josephina gabrielle who was playing the, the, the second wife yes yeah yeah yes uh, and they were just having the time of their lives in fact i think they had played it originally at the chocolate factory as well yes. um yeah but it's just absolutely gorgeous. 
That was I saw that when they asked me to do it, that that production that was a, that then transferred to the Pinter is on YouTube. You can see the whole thing. They they filmed it. Oh, wow. Okay. They asked me to do it. I went this was in like January of 2022. I watched the whole thing slack jawed, just like yeah, completely yeah, yeah. blown away. And Mark was incredible. We 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 uh started texting like a couple of months ago. We got each other's contact. He was fucking yeah. incredible in it. And yeah, yeah, such an amazing production. No, it was beautiful. And um yeah I didn't see it I always I always wanted to ha- have seen the um which I think I've mentioned before um to you Sarah the one with Dan Evans and Sam Spiro that they did in uh, the Donmar many many years ago yeah yeah um, and uh that apparently were, was fantastic as well and but I by the time I saw it at the Pinto it was much much more um uh what's the word um consciously a, a fan of Sondheim. I yeah. think when it when it was on at the Donmar, I sort of knew that he existed but didn't really understand how extraordinary his work was and then went to see Little Like Music at the National with Judy Dench and Patricia um, Patricia Hodge and and then slowly, slowly have, have just become like a, a massive fan of his work, like you, you know, yeah. just gorgeous. And the first time I saw it was in Leicester. Okay. Um, with Maria Friedman in oh, it. Yes. Oh, yes. So I did see it because, I mean, what you forget about Sondheim, actually, and I think it's quite interesting in the context of how well it's done on Broadway, is that people didn't really love it. They didn't particularly love that show. I mean, right. so people always had difficulty with the idea that you start at the bitter end and then you go backwards to the happy beginning. Yeah. And, and there were always issues around that. And um, so we had a sort of group outing to Leicester <laughs> to go and see it. And, you know, and it it felt revelatory. And I, I, I presume that's why Maria's kind of wanted to put it on. Yeah, totally. That 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 famously, I guess, was the production because George Firth, who wrote the book and Sondheim, even though they had, they had they had opened on Broadway in 1981 after months of previews, like a kind of famously long preview period, and the the boy it was all teenagers and kids in their early 20s. The concept being back in 1981 that it starts at the end of the story when they're in their 40s and goes backwards to the beginning, and and Hal Prince's casting decision was to cast young people so that when it went to the end, they were the age that they were starting out as. I have a theory about that now, having done the show for a few months, but in, in the nineties, when they did it with Maria in, in Leicester, right. Is that where you said it was? Yes, it was in, yeah. Yeah. Uh, That was like the, 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 the the famous production where George Firth and Sondheim got people in their thirties to do it finished what they were writing because they they never felt like they quite finished writing it and and in that production with Maria put their pens down and said okay this is it this is the final version of the show this is the version that we are going to say is the completed merrily we roll along and that was the version Maria did and that's the version that we're doing now on Broadway right yeah and what's your theory about it? What's your theory about the casting decision that you've now come I, up with? You know, be, so so Sondheim famously said that the only autobiograph, truly autobiographical song he ever wrote was Opening Doors, which is takes place at the end of the show, but the sort of the beginning of the story where um, Frank and Charlie and Mary are uh, sort of trying to make it. And it's this like long eight minute sequence and... Charlie's at the typewriter and and Frank is at the piano and Maria is at her typewriter writing her book. And and Sondheim said, that's me and Hal Prince and Mary Rogers. And that's that's my autobiographical, the only autobiographical song I ever wrote. But then as I've been learning about the show and there's this amazing documentary called The Best Worst Thing That Ever Could Have Happened that Lonnie Price made. He was the original Charlie. They made this documentary about the original production of the show. 
and people coming through in New York and coming to see the show and hearing stories about that time. I kind of wonder, my personal theory is like, so how Prince and Sondheim had done six shows in a row. This was their sixth. It was Company, Follies, A Little Night Music, Pacific Overture, Sweeney Todd, Merrily We Roll Along. And they, they worked together over the course of a decade and had this kind of famous partnership. And a few months ago, I was sitting there listening to Dan Radcliffe singing Good Thing Going. We had a good thing going, going, gone. And famously, after the opening night of Merrily, they didn't speak for like decades, Hal Prince and Stephen Sondheim. And someone came through the show a couple of months ago and said, I was there during previews when Sondheim and Hal Prince had their famous fight in Joe Allen and they were screaming at each other. And I, I can't help but think that, you know, they had this famous partnership. And then in this show, Frank and Charlie have all of this animosity and tension and all of this, uh, all of these relationships now coming to the theater every night to perform them. Just in the writing itself, it feels so personal and it feels so real. Yes, opening doors, but also the end of the relationships and the disillusion of the relationships and the friendships. And I wonder like if my theory basically being, I wonder if they felt either consciously or subconsciously, like they had to cast teenagers because it was too, would be too real to have adults playing out the drama of their real lives in front of them. And it was easier to, see it all played out with kids and end it in an idealistic place, both in the story and with the casting so that they didn't have to fully look at what they were dealing with amongst each other. Um, that's my, that's my little personal thought that's come up in the last couple of months as we've been playing it, because it just feels so raw and real and thorny when we go through those first scenes in the show with the relationships between the friends mm -hmm. that's so interesting as a theory who knows we'll never know they're all they're all dead that and that funnily enough is here's to us who's like us damn few and they're all dead is the is the uh famous saying that you know we do the first you know yeah. three-fourths of in the show yeah 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 yeah, and also there's something about the nature of it, you know. If it, if they had all those previews for months and months and months, and if it was that raw, the 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 repetition of it, yeah. there's something so extraordinary about repetition and what it does to your muscles. Yes, you know, for them to hear it and perfect it, and you know, change whatever they're changing throughout the previews, but then just the fact that it's in you, it's forcing you to have to deal with what it was that inspired you to write it in the first place and that maybe mm. that was just and maybe they started off thinking they could handle it and it was alive enough to write about interesting enough to write about but ultimately it it, it forced its way out like a you know like something in the body that forces its way to the surface and yes yeah it's, it's absolutely a, a brilliant theory but um and and just so maybe unconsciously bold or brave of them as a team to write so by you know autobiographically in that way but it but the, you know the old adage is true that the you know stories about your own life always make the best stories yes and that maria when we when she was directing us from the from the first day of rehearsal said you know my my concept for this show is just to do the piece we're yeah. not no bells and whistles, no like, no heavy conceptual ideas of placing it in a certain thing. She does this simple thing at the beginning, at the end to contextualize it. But then once we're in the show, she, she, her big thing is strip it back, make it as real as possible and just do what they wrote. Her, she says, you know, Sondheim is the smartest person in the room, even though now he's gone and he's not even here. He will always be the smartest person in the room. So you can't outsmart him you just have to honor what he wrote and bring your whole heart and soul to it yeah and yeah. and and so in that way like in that 1981 production 
they were all kids. They're, they ended up getting rid of all the costumes and putting everybody in t-shirts. There was no real set. There was kind of like a high concept on top of the on top of the rawness of the material. So Maria, her take is just to present exactly. the material as is, which I think is part of what has brought that all of that up for me. I think feeling yeah. about like really feeling them in it. Um, How is it for you keeping the relationships with your co-actors, given that the story every night is a story of sort of falling out? I, I feel like because, I wonder if you feel this way, Nancy, I can only actually be vile to someone on stage if I really love them. And, and, and if we really know in a deep way that we love each other, can I really be ugly with someone? Really, really just like unload to have the freedom to really unload and spit venom. I can't really do it unless there's that that feeling of trust. And so, and, and then luckily for us, we, it starts in that dark place and then we shed all of that and end as optimistic 18 year olds. So by the time we get to the end of the story, we are feeling all back in love with each other. But that that first, sometimes like we don't see each other before we get on stage, some of us, and we're just screaming at each other. Uh, but then it, it 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 helps that it ends in kind of a positive place. But yeah. I think because the love is real, we're able to go to those dark places kind of um, fully and completely. Yeah, I think that's completely true. I think it's true of being vile and it's also true of being romantic with someone. I think it's true of anything that there are degrees of how much you're prepared to throw yourself in. And if there's anything protective left up, whether consciously or unconsciously, you're not fully invested. That doesn't mean you're necessarily going to do half a performance, but it, it means that it, it, it's just a sort of, it, as you say, it's about investment and, and you know, I think that, I mean, I just had it with a, a few of the scenes of the show I just finished at the weekend that we'd all start by saying that we loved each other and whatever, because there was that screaming and nakedness and whatever. And I did a show um, at uh, the old Vic a number of years ago, a version of uh, Wojciech, where the language was so vile and the hatred within the writing was so toxic and awful. And, you know, that I, I sort of made a point of, you know, getting us all together and, and sort of breaking bread with everybody and saying, look, we're about to do three or four months on stage being absolutely horrendous to each other. I think it's really important that you almost hold hands, almost like a Quaker meeting or something. You hold hands and you just, <laughs> uh, we don't mean it, but we're going to go all, all in mm. and play the scenes. And, and that's the pact. So, mm. yeah, like, yeah, you know, long way, long way of saying, yes, I absolutely agree. <laughs> Yeah. Mm, 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 mm. And Jonathan, this is this is your third time on Broadway, isn't it? Or maybe more. I, I so I was thinking, so Spring Awakening, which is your yes. kind of big breakthrough, Tony nominated, all the rest of it, da da, and then and then Hamilton as the king, which yes. is even more da da. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so how is this different? than previous times and what is it like being on Broadway I've got a kind of complete English person's um kind of uh reverence for the whole idea of Broadway oh my god that's so that's so lovely um <laughs> but uh, my first Broadway show before Spring Awakening to just really put it all in context was a huge flop and <laughs> it was called in uh in my life and I was an offstage uh, swing and understudy. And it was sort of a famous, in the restaurant Joe Allen, which you also have in London. Yeah. There's a Joe Allen. In London, do they do the thing where they have the posters of the flops, of flop shows in your Joe Allen? Or is that just in the one in New York? I didn't know. 
in the rest they have posters but i don't know if they're flops they're flops i think i think they're successes (laughs) (laughs) but i may be wrong in, in New York, it's 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 like famous for that the only posters that that it's lined with posters in in Joe Island, and it's all of Broadway's famous flops. And in my life is I'm proud to say is one of those posters. Yeah, so that was that was my first experience and and a gift in 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 many ways. But but one of like the biggest gifts was like I I I learned from that company how to build a they had to i mean the 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 floppiness of the show was so epic <laughs> that like they were giving away tickets for the audience members but the 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 cast still had to come together every day and do the show and they really they really um did it they 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 formed a family and they put their heads down and they had a blast and I had a blast with them sort of tangentially because I wasn't on stage with them every night because I was an understudy. But I learned about building a like cocoon in order to do your work, which then with Spring Awakening and with Hamilton, it was like the total opposite where they were they were big hits. And yet still there was a cocoon that had to be built to shut out the outside noise to come into the theater and just do the work. I remember Tommy Kale, who directed Hamilton, because with Hamilton, it was like insane, like pe- crowds of people on the street outside. And and every night it was like, it, it was like many famous people at every show yeah. as opposed to like, it would be like from politics to music to whatever. And, and he would say like, but when you walk into the stage door, and you go into the theater, this is the sacred space. And we're, this is where you do the show and you have to shut out all of the outside noise, um, which was the same thing as the flop as with the success. And I would say like the the biggest difference for me, like in Spring Awakening, I was um, 20 years old when we started that show. And I did it for two years. And it was like the the training that I never had I never went to school to train to be an actor that was my college or university essentially was that experience Hamilton I was only on stage for nine minutes (laughs) it was a a glorious nine minutes but I spent a lot very glorious nine minutes (laughs) observing uh I would stand in the audience most most days and watch the show from the wings and and was learning so much from watching and and just sort of like bathing in the experience of that and then I would say this experience of Merrily is like is is the first time I've I've you know I'm almost 40 like kind of being an adult um on Broadway in a show uh like when I had, it was, it's like similar to the experience of spring awakening, but I was, I was a child then. So I'm, I'm appreciating things really in, in I'm savoring this in a way that, that you can, what, you know, two decades later after, after having that experience with spring awakening, where the, 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 the just appreciation level and the getting the chance to do Sondheim and getting the chance to do it with a group like everyone is just so invested in the show and this kind of post COVID, I know that COVID has been done for a couple of years now, but I'm still counting my lucky stars every day when I go to the theater and we're no, no longer in masks and we get to see people's faces and breathe the same air and that like communal um, aspect of the show. And, you know, we, we ask in the show all the time, how did you get to be here? is the is a constant lyric and it's about memory and reflection and i've never thought about my own life so much during a show it's 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 very personal for each one of us um in our own way and hopefully like we ask it to the audience too there's like a there's like um something extra with this show because we're singing to the audience so much how did you get to be here there's like a there, there can be an opportunity for for like a therapeutic um, experience for the audience. We want them to track the characters and the journey, of course, but we also really want them to think about their own lives as mm-hmm. the show is going on 
and that and it works both ways for them and for us so it's unique in that way mm. we still we still have quite a lot of people in masks actually really yeah still but i mean we, covid is very much still around here yeah not, not in the same way that it doesn't stop people necessarily but there you know it's still present which is a constant reminder again of of being lucky Mm. there's something i don't know if you agree but there's something particularly with singing but with finding breath to do any show is that you have to be present yes you know it's not the same as filming necessarily because filming you're generally always running out of time unless it's a particularly well put together schedule so there's always like you know there's a sense of you know you 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 should have done what you're doing now 10 minutes ago as opposed to you have to find the breath you have to find i don't mean to sound uh, wanky in any way sorry for the word but but you, you have to find the truth of the moment in order to to say the line fresh to mm. mean it to mean it absolutely in that moment and so in order to do that you have to breathe in a way that makes you absolutely present and so as a as a sort of meditative exercise it, it does m- make you appreciative really i think particularly singing yeah. we had some we had some singing in the show i mean um and i found that you know which must be like times a million for merrily but it it, it forced again it slowed down your thinking your overthinking because you have to just find some other rhythm so it's quite it's it's a good it's not the frivolous, whimsical, th- you know, nature of what most people in the world think actors' brains are like. Actually, the opposite is true, is that you have to find stillness. It's mm. really interesting. It's so funny, too. I've been thinking, I started meditating a lot over the last couple of years. I've gotten really into Vipassana meditation. And so meditating before the show and between the shows on two show days. But even like and uh, uh, during the show, exactly what you're saying, Nancy. There's like the the part of the gift of the long run is because it's it's like a living um, organ. It's like a plant or something, or it's like every day is changing and growing and shifting and evolving because we're all changing and growing and shifting and evolving. And feeling those moments in the show where I'm not breathing consistently and going like, oh, kind of like almost like massaging when you're massaging someone or getting massaged and you find the point of tension and you work on it and release it and something comes out. It's like, we're having constantly those things appear and you work on them and they disappear and then they appear somewhere else and then they disappear. And and that level of presence that it takes to be aware of those new points of tension and, and the constant breath you're exactly right. That breath that that it takes to keep it alive and keep it flowing yeah. is, is so essential. And it must have, I mean, going back to Hamilton, that must have been extraordinary because you got like, I mean, when you say fam- famous people coming, you know, the Obamas came twice. There were crowds outside fighting for tickets. I mean, that must have been an extraordinary situation to have to sort of build concentration with it I mean do you feel do you have a sense with Hamilton of having been in something that really was historic it yeah you I felt it while while we all could feel it it was it was like um it was shocking it really like I I remember in the in the first and it was something there that I mean I like Lynn manuel Miranda is a genius I mean he wrote a genius work of art and that was never um never a question from when we were downtown to broad to moving to broadway or what there was no question that the material was uh phenomenal and 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 groundbreaking and amazing but the the like the the way that the stars aligned to explode it out into something that was that it that it happened in the last year of the Obama administration and that there was this kind of like end of Camelot moment that aligned with, with this Hamilton moment and this optimism and this sort of like, um, 
you know, like in the, in the, you know, how lucky are we to be alive right now? Like these, these sort of like hard on your sleeve lyrics that are in that show. But there, but then like from the first preview, I like the lights went down on the first preview on Broadway before there was even a cast album or anything. And it was like a rock concert. And we were like, this is insane that like the lights go down on a new musical on Broadway no one has heard the music, but it's like, like my ears are hurting from how loud the audience is screaming before the show begins. There was some energy that was happening that was just, yes, about the show, but also something culturally that was happening in the, in, in the States at that time that was igniting, that was, that was, that you can't, you know, planned for that was yeah. just some surreal thing and then yeah it just was like it was it was a surreal experience the whole the whole time and it still is still is I'm, i mean like the 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 um the the news of a couple of months ago of like oh wow um the the merrily box office is worse we're still in we're in line with hamilton this is so exciting i'm thinking Hamilton opened eight years ago or, or 10, <laughs> 10 years ago. And, and there's still, it's still, it's still at that level of it's wild. It's, it's insane. Yeah. A phenomenon. I took my, I went to see it about three times in London and I took my parents thinking you should know what everybody's talking about. And, and I am my uh, dad, my stepdad is, 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 I mean, he loves music, but I thought, there's a really strong chance he might not get this. Not yeah. that he wouldn't like it, but just that he wouldn't get it. Yeah, yeah. And he literally said he hadn't heard anything so exciting since Mozart. Gosh. And I couldn't, and I literally would have put money on getting like an opposite reaction. I hoped for that reaction, of course. <laughs> but, right. But, but he just lit, it was something, it was, so I think, you know, as you say, there are so many reasons the stars aligning, but actually, as you say, the genius of what he wrote yeah, yeah. to appeal to every demographic, every yeah. age group, every musical geek, music geek, aficionado. Yeah. He it was it was present. It was just literally, it was everything. It yeah. was everything, and it was a party that everybody was invited to. And when does that happen? Oh, I so think it's just extraordinary, isn't it? You know, there was. I remember going at the first night in England, and there was a tiny bit of you that thought, um, well, you know, maybe it's not as good as everybody said. You know, there was that tiny sort of scepticism that perhaps because of the sort of circumstances in the States at that time, because of the sense of its rightness at that time, that maybe it would be really kind of slightly disappointing. And of course, it wasn't. It was just sensational. And then, wow. you know, it went back over and over. I mean, it is the most remarkable cultural phenomenon. And it's brilliant because it's also filmed. You're in the film, aren't you? Yes, so yes. that that so and that gave it I did some interviews around that time and that seemed to give a whole new lease of life. All the people who had been able to get tickets suddenly yeah. were invited into this incredibly mm. important show. I thought it was yeah. And brilliant. that really like that. I remember when that came out feeling like, oh boy, what this is going to, it's 11-11, make a wish in, in the States. Uh, what this, what this uh, having, having it put on film so beautifully and thinking about like the, the young Lynn, whoever the young genius is that's, that's growing up in who knows where in the world that's writing new, that, that I had this feeling of like, oh my gosh, the, the kids being given this that can watch this mm. and then take the baton and take it to the next level. It, it's so exciting that because it, it is an elitist thing to see Hamilton because it's so expensive, uh, you know, theater generally uh, Broadway theater, at least um, is, is, is too expensive. And so the fact that it was now, now released online and can be seen all over the world, it was just so exciting. Very brilliant. Yes, to be seen, but also for like the spark that it hopefully will ignite in young writers to to take risks because it is such a it is such a like like 
that's such a um ambitious piece of of writing yeah can I can I ask you slightly rudely about your TikTok moment with that because that was where you went you went viral, didn't you? Of, I did of that little bit of film. Do you know about this bit of film about the spitting? Oh yes, yeah. Yes. Okay, so slightly rude, but no, <laughs> so, 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 what happened? So there's, as Jonathan enunciates, there's quite a lot of spit <laughs> that emerges yeah and everybody sort of um so it became a tiktok thing that he was just everywhere with this singing right i i i have a uh i don't know what it is about do you spit nancy a lot on stage are you spitting everywhere not off stage you know, <laughs> on stage it's just a mess just really messy when are we gonna Over work lunch. i just have to put it into the air of like when are we gonna <laughs> when are we gonna work you'd be soaked imagine how we could just... <laughs> <laughs> we we just spit all over each other that'd be great oh, i i in, in spring awakening people at the stage door would ask me to spit in their programs because <laughs> no. I so much yes That's and then insane. in hamilton as the king, I, the 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 whole concept is that it's in he's in this thing and he sings and he doesn't move, but it's a very still thing. And so I couldn't wipe, I couldn't use my hand to wipe the spit from my face. So I would spit while I was singing, and it would just like run down my face. <laughs> and Lynn Lynn said he loved it because it was like a baby. It looked like a like a toddler or a child, which like was he felt was right for the character. And then when they were editing the movie, the Tommy Kelda director said, I I could have done less spit or I could have done more spit, but I decided just to go down the middle and show like a like an average of spit that you had coming out of your out of your okay. face. My but bless that, yeah. I I it's like, yeah, it's just it's my cross to bear, I guess. And maybe Nancy, when when we finally work together. We'll just be able to be wet together. Yeah, we we'll on big umbrellas. Then we have a moat around the edge of the stage, and they can, <laughs> they can scoop it up like holy water. <laughs> In fact, I did. I had a moment on stage last week. I don't know why, particularly, but I was in the middle of something. I probably uh, it was instant karma for thinking I was being hilariously clever or something at the time. But this massive glob of it. Just I was smoking, and then as it came out, this and it just sort of went all over the table. And I, oh my god, I don't know what. But luckily, the person I was playing opposite didn't even notice. So I thought, well, if she didn't notice, (laughs) but it was just literally hung like sort of just slow motion cartoon spittle. Maybe we're soulmates. We are soulmates. I have to say too, I know that we're talking about like the plays that I've done and whatever, but I just have to say I am here because I'm so obsessed with Nancy. And and I saw after the dance, the Terrence Radigan play in it was like 2010 at the National Theater. And I it's it is a performance that will like live in the cell of cells of my body forever. I will never forget seeing you do that. And everything that you ever do on stage, I I fucking worship you. So totally uh, true. Oh, I worship you. And I'm I, and dying, dying, dying to to work together at at some point. And and even like up to the most recent thing I saw you in that play at the Chocolate Factory that was just freaking phenomenal as well. You're just a god to me, a god, a total acting god. And I remember in the because I feel like it was in that play, you you jump off the balcony in the second at the end of the second act, and oh, you're yeah. not in the, your character isn't in the third act of the play, if I remember this correctly, even though it's is that right? Yeah. yeah because yeah. I remember all I remember just feeling like, wow, that actress, that was the first time I'd ever seen you, is so good that I feel her absence in the entire third, I feel the whole of her absence for this entire third act of this play. I can't stop thinking about her. She's gone. Like the, the, like who else can do that? You're just like, you're just the greatest, the goat. I love you. And now I've forced myself 
on you as a friend forever. So <laughs> <laughs> well, that's very nice. You could have spit at each other. Yay! <laughs> Just moving swiftly on, because Jonathan, I'm conscious you've got to go for a costume fitting, but I do also want to ask you about Frozen. Um, yes. Because that's oh. your other... Well, actually, there's so many claims to fame. There's so much to talk about. But um, how how is Frozen being a reindeer and a man? Oh my God! It's like the 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 gift the gift of gifts uh, uh, to be able to make voice notes for children for the rest of time as the as a character and like watch their faces, or or for. Um, you know, a gift for a friend, like when Nancy was doing Closer. Was it Closer? Uh, at, at yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And and uh, we we made we were making these joke videos back and forth, and I read like a super intense scene from your play as Kristoff and Sven in yeah. a dialogue back and yeah, forth. Yeah. yeah. As like a, a I think we did it. We gave you one in the style of Rattigan. We gave you some frozen script. Yes, yes. Yep. On like in the style of Terence Rattigan. Yes, you sang "Reindeers Are Better Than People" <laughs> as like as in like the style of Rattigan. Yep. Yeah, and I I responded by doing a scene from Closer as Kristoff and Sven. Yes, I think something about blowjobs as well. Wasn't yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> So how do you know each other? So you, because you haven't worked together. Because I forced myself on him. So no, I forced like, myself on you. I, I Yeah, we had a mutual friend in Nikki Webley, who yeah. for for a while was the the ward, what, was doing costume yeah, at the Denmark. And she connected us, and then I just talked to Nancy. But yeah, yeah. It's so nice, so nice, yeah. long distance friendship. Do yeah. children get disappointed when they meet you? Do you do children events or do they get they excited? Yeah, it's kind of a weird it is, <laughs> It's a funny thing where like the because Frozen uh, uh and, and 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 oh my god there's so much to say because like the the people that made Frozen it's similarly to Lynn Manuel Miranda actually uh Jennifer Lee who who wrote Frozen um who's a dear a dear friend and Bobby and Kristen Lopez who did the music are such amazing people and and that and that they made a movie where a disney fairy tale movie where the true love is a familial love and not romantic love is just the most felt like the most obvious and yet groundbreaking like mind-blowing thing it's like the sweetest thing ever yeah Yeah. Uh, and they and that like and, and and at the same time it's like it's like drugs for kids even like it and really like they become addicted to it and it has stood the test of time Mm -hmm. and so like the the parents also have a relationship with frozen because they're like oh my god finally like my kid i can leave them for however long and they can watch this movie or they can you know they're into get really into it and so then the parents are like you know jonathan you know the the parents get more excited about the voice thing and the kids it's why i make voice memos because they they're confused or and or disappointed that I don't look anything like the cartoon version that I have the, of the voice that I am so so when I so when I make the voice note as the character for the kids right. then they can, then they can like feel like Kristoff is talking to them from Arendelle but when they see me yeah it's incredibly disappointing and or just strange I do love it when you go to the, um, well, when I, I spend quite a lot of time in Covent Garden because I'm going to watch dance. And if I'm there at the same time as everybody's arriving or leaving Frozen, it is just the most amazing sight because you've got all the little Elsas and all the little Svens. And, and you know, it's just so kind of fabulous oh my <laughs> to God. see all these yes. kids going to the theatre and, and having a great time. I mean, I love the I stage show up, as well. I was Mary Poppins for Halloween when I was three. I was big into drag as a kid. I was like Cinderella and... I really wanted that Snow White dress when we went to Disney World, but my parents didn't get it for me. And and so like the the like kids dressed in the outfits just destroys me. Yeah, it's, it's the Brilliant. cutest thing ever. I have a I have a very precious photograph um of my son dressed as Tinkerbell, but with 
absolute um, earnest mm. passion. Like, mm. finally, finally, I've got the outfit of choice. And he yes. stood next to Nell, who's doing her, you know, Cinderella thing or something. But it's like, yes, I've got it. You know, I didn't want to be the pirate because... Yeah. Oh. You no, know, fairies can fly and fairies get big green skirts and you know, oh, anyway. totally, totally. Non against Mary skin. Poppins carpet bag. Yeah, I wanted, yeah. To, okay. I wanted to be Mary Poppins. Or yeah, it's like, yeah. We all Elsa. Want to be the boys that are Elsa. Yeah. No, it's fabulous. It is fabulous. Do you think it um sort of try I I will come to a close because I am sort of conscious of timings, but do you think it's true to say that in um, the States, it is easier to have a career that mixes Frozen, Hamilton, Broadway, musicals with sort of things like Mindhunter, which you do on telly and a kind of serious film career, if you like, not a, you see, I, I mean, I've sort of done it, that a, a, a straight acting rather than a singing career. Uh-huh. I always wonder if it's easier. I don't know. I, I, I've, I've lived here, so I don't know in comparison, but it's so funny. I, I feel like as an American, when I think about like actors in London and in the UK, I, I always think of them as doing everything right. more so than us. I always think of like the, the greats, like BBC series and those actors doing theater, but then also appearing in films. And I, I, I think of, I think of of um, the UK actors as as quite versatile and a million different accents and able to do American and British and whatever they want to do. It's like I think we maybe romanticize each other's maybe. cultures. Yeah, like like going even like every time I go to London and I just see it, you could just go see anything that's at the National and it's like it, it's so exciting and we don't have a National Theater here so i really romanticize the 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 difference between west end and the national and all the and then the rsc and going there to see work and the the all the different nuanced variations of the ways that people act and find careers there so i i, I guess it it's a, maybe all down to just the individual in the end and and us all trying to make do with what we've got and where we are. Um, I don't know if there's like a sweeping generalization or not. Even thinking of Panto, like yeah. the, the Panto culture yeah, uh, in in the UK, that whole that that was an education as well. Of like, oh my god, what is this? Yeah. What is this hilarity uh, of Panto? So I, I, I guess the 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 boring answer is I don't know. What do you Maybe think, Nancy? To do with how you get started. Mm-hmm. I mean, was Glee one of your first routes in or had you done stuff before Glee? Yeah, it's funny. Like I, I, I moved to New York really just, I only wanted to do theater. I never dreamt of doing anything else. It's all I wanted to do. And I have to say doing Merrily We Roll Along, I am so, I, I don't dream of being on a set ever. That's not, I'm not like, oh, get me out of the theater. I'm dying to get back into a trailer. I, I like this this is really what makes my heart sing mm-hmm. and those and and things like glee and all the the other things that happened sort of came from from the success i was finding in the in the theater with spring awakening getting an agent from that and oh, then it's he was after spring awakening yeah yeah ah, okay yeah mm-hmm. yeah that it, it so it started there and then sort of like grew out grew out from there and then it and then like spring awakening was such an artistic evolution for me like it before spring awakening just trying to get any job I could get and then spring awakening I did that for two years and it creatively from the inside out changed who I was as a person and changed my appetite as an artist not just as an working actor of wanting if I could if I could find the experiences that were going to be really challenging and invite some sort of personal or creative evolution. And so then that grew my appetite for that. And then I was looking for that in any, whatever medium, I didn't care, whatever the kind of like, whatever the next sort of um, 
exciting challenge evolutionary challenge would be became my became my ambition sometimes it's down to directors and casting directors and producers sometimes that they see things in performances that you've done in any medium radio telly film you know on stage where they go oh there's something in that that i can exactly. see in this other part and sometimes yeah. they see it before we do i think mm. you know you you can have an instinct about wanting to do something or wanting to try something or wanting to play a part like such and such. But until you actually do it, you don't really know if you've got the chops. You hope that you've got the chops. But but sometimes it takes the imagination of, you know, a voyeur or an employer of, some you know, somebody who then becomes your friend who in, entrusts you with a role to see that you can go in that direction. And so it's really hard to predict where all those places will take you and it's and and it's just the nature of collaboration that we we get the opportunity to to grow in so many different directions I think sometimes it's um, true and, and I really that. at the mercy of of casting directors and or directors seeing something that like I mean I I feel like that is what I'm where I feel like I can half do it that's always kind of what I'm looking for where it's I can't it's just like a little out of my, I can see, I can feel a connection to it in a, in a primal way, but that it's like, uh, even this role I'm playing now, there was lots of elements that I didn't feel like I could get that, that is the gift of being able to do it in a run and having, you're right. Having like the casting director, the director see something in you that is like a potential, like a potential. Yeah. Yeah. For, for filling in the gaps it's like that's so exciting mm-hmm. well we'll have to come we'll have to come to broadway before Yay! we finish <laughs> come please oh, july 7th we're here till, oh my gosh if you can i would die if you yeah. could july 7th please 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 it would be so great be amazing. it would be lovely and thank you so much jonathan for talking to us now the two show day Two show day. Three show day. Best warm up ever. (laughs) So goodbye. Ah, Yeah, I'm going to say goodbye from me, Sam Crompton, the critic. And goodbye from me, Nancy Carroll, the actress. And goodbye from me, Jonathan Crump. Yay! (laughs) Have a good day, darling. Thanks.